0: The Mariners Cast presented to you by Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganassius. You can find me on Twitter at Tino Jr. Twenty and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. On today's Mariners Cast, uh, we will quickly run over the weekend series in Texas against the Rangers. The Mariners were swept, as most of you already know. Um, we'll dig a little bit into that series. We will talk uh the schedules for the upcoming final seven games for all of the teams in the Mariners are in contention with. We'll preview the series against Houston. The Astros are also licking their wounds. Um, tonight's matchup is Justin Verlander against Luis Castillo. We will talk Verlander and Castillo and kind of where the Astros and the Mariners sit Uh, Currently, in the last uh, week or so, statistically. So, the Mariners are 84 and 71, three games behind the Rangers in the AL West, half game behind the Astros for the third wild card, currently sitting outside of the playoffs looking in, two games behind the Toronto Blue Jays for the second wild card. Mariners obviously have lost three in a row uh, and are four and six in their last 10. Uh, Texas plays uh, the Los Angeles Angels in Los Angeles. Um, Toronto starts a series tomorrow uh, at home against the New York Yankees. The Astros finish up after they play the Mariners um, against the Arizona Diamondbacks in Arizona. A little strange. That series to me, um, Diamondbacks are not a pushover. That is good news for the Mariners. And Toronto finishes up at home against the Tampa Bay Rays, which, as we all know, the Rays are a tough, uh, tough out as well. Uh, this upcoming series against the Astros will be Verlander against against Castillo on Monday, Christian Javier against George Kirby on Tuesday, and Framber Valdez against Bryce Miller on Wednesday. Um, coming into this series, as I said. The Mariners were swept by Texas in Texas, and shockingly, the Houston Astros were swept by the Kansas City Royals at home. Uh, That was unforeseen and a huge break for the Mariners. So real quickly, on Friday night, the Mariners lost 8-5 to the Rangers. The Rangers took an 8-0 lead after five innings. Really depressing. Um, Super excited for those last 10 games of the season. Mariners going into Texas, you know, you're hoping for two of three. Taking one of three is not the worst result in the world. Super pumped for the series. All of a sudden, five innings in, Texas is up 8 nothing. Mariners scored four in the sixth, one in the ninth to make it 8-5. But really, this game was about Bryce Miller. He just didn't have it on Friday night. Four and a third innings. Uh, six hits, six earned runs, one walk, only two strikeouts, um, managed only a 21% whiff rate. I liked his introduction of the sinker. Um, I feel like the sinker keeps hitters off of, uh, Keenian on the four seamer and he only threw eight of them in this game. Um, I, I wish that he would have thrown more, but he didn't have it. And I don't know if he was amped up because of, you know, playing in front of his friends and family in Texas or what it was, but, um, that was the story of the game, was Bryce Miller uh, not bringing in on Friday night. Saturday, the Mariners lost 2-0. Logan Gilbert pitched fine. Five and two-thirds innings, five hits, two earned runs, four walks, two strikeouts. The two runs were given up on uh, two RBI singles. You know, you would like Logan Gilbert to get deeper into the game. Um, deeper than five and two-thirds innings, he is... Your number three starter, but he's a horse. And given the fact that Bryce Miller only went four and third on Friday, you know, you were looking for seven from Gilbert if you could get it. And the Mariners were going against Jordan Montgomery. I had spoken about Montgomery previously. Uh he was a deadline acquisition by the Rangers from the Cardinals. The Max Scherzer trade uh received a lot more headlines than the Montgomery trade, but Montgomery has been a Uh, An under-the-radar, very effective starter uh, for the last probably three years or so, first with the Yankees, then with the Cardinals, and now with the Rangers. Um, And he has the type of repertoire that does give the Mariners trouble. Doesn't throw a lot of uh, straight fastballs, a lot of sinkers, a lot of breaking stuff. And he ended up going seven innings, five hits, no runs, two walks, six strikeouts. Um, Had a 28% whiff rate, which is very good and uh, none of the uh, whiffs came on sinker. So sinker was used to induce weak contact, and the other stuff was used to strike Mariners hitters out. The only Mariners hitter with two hits in this game was Ty France. Those were two singles. Uh, He and Teoscar Hernandez were the only Mariners hitters to reach base more than once. There was a lot of feedback on Twitter about the lineup. People were upset that Jared Kelnick was not in the lineup for this game since he has been playing pretty well and has injected some energy into the Mariners um, team, some life. And yes, this season, 2023 versus lefties, he's hitting 265, 322 with a 470 slug. This was in 90 plate appearances, but for his career, Jared Kelnick is hitting 190, 257 with a 313 slug. So over his career, not very good against lefties. This year, he has been better. The decision was made to play Dylan Moore, Sam Haggerty, and Jose Caballero instead of Jared Kelnick in this game. I don't have a problem with it personally. I think if you were to replace Haggerty with, Kelnick, I would understand that, um, but it's not this was not an egregious choice. This was a choice based purely on numbers um more Haggerty and Caballero are play predominantly against left handers or should play predominantly against left handers uh I think if they're trying to give Jared Kelnick days off here and there because of his injury, and I don't know if you're gonna have Haggerty on the roster this is this is where you play him right um did not bother me as much as it did some others um online uh obviously the Mariners offense was not good though sunday the offense produces 8 runs the Mariners still lose uh this was brutal it was I, I don't know. I I thought the Mariners would be able to salvage one game. Um, we haven't seen Brian Wu really kind of implode yet. This not in this way since his first um, first couple of outings. Mariners lose nine eight. Offense scored eight runs, but Brian Wu got lit up three in the third innings. Five hits, six runs, two walks. He did strike out six. But he gave up four home runs. He led with the cutter, which was interesting, 40% cutter. Six whiffs on 38 swings, which is 16%. That is not a good whiff rate. Um, His velocity was up. His spin was up. I'm sure he was amped over his yearly average. I'm sure he was amped up. But sometimes when you're amped up, your location kind of waxes and wanes or goes away and that's what happened on the on the four home runs. Marcus Simeon hit a sinker that was belt high. It was middle in, but it was a belt high sinker. And for Simeon, you know, he's someone who wants to get out in front of the ball and pull it down the line. That's where the majority of his home runs go straight down the left field line. This inside pitch, if you have quick wrists, is the type of pitch that you can pull. Um I did not like the pitch selection to Simeon. He is a high he hits pitches up in the zone at high velocity. That's kind of who he's been. That's how he taught himself to become a home run hitter, was to jump on top of that. So this was kind of in Marcus Simeon's wheelhouse, but he missed location, I assume, because it was belt high in middle end, but still a strike. Corey Seeger hit a slider that was just low and inside of middle middle. So a cookie, really, and a slider from a right-handed pitcher to a left-handed hitter right in the happy zone. Seeger hit that one out. Leodi Tavares kind of golfed out a cutter that was low and in. But again, to a left-handed hitter, most left-handed hitters like the ball low. And this was a pitch that Tavares could drive. And then Adolis Garcia hit a four seam fastball that was belt high but middle in. So location was not good on these four pitches. These were four pitches that were major league hitters will hit hard. Um I think Wu, you know, you look at, again, the velocity up, the spin up. It's pretty clear that he was amped up for this game and just mislocation. So he gives up six runs. The Mariners are down 7-2 after four innings. The Mariners scored three in the sixth. They scored three in the seventh. But they can't muster any more runs and um, go on to lose 9-8, as I said. Uh, Gabe Speyer gave up a home run to Marcus Simeon. Eduard Bazardo gave up a home run to Evan Carter. Really, this series as a whole, you the Rangers did what the what they did to the Mariners previously in Texas. They just they just hit. And to to give up eight runs on Friday and nine runs on Saturday is just ugly pitching. I think it is worth addressing in this moment kind of just how detrimental it these pitching injuries have been to the Mariners. Um the it was clear that Jerry Dipoto in the front office knew that the Mariners starting pitchers were going to tire, right? That's why they announced that they were going with the six-man rotation. That was the plan with Emerson Hancock. I think they understood that you couldn't Operate down the stretch with Bryce Miller and Brian Wu, given um, the lack of of repetition, the lack of innings that they've um, pitched over the last couple of years and the injury to Wu, right? So understanding that they the rotation needed some help and would tire without it, they announced that Emerson Hancock would be a sixth starter. Um, it made a lot of sense at the time. You know, if Robbie Ray or Marco Gonzalez were healthy, I think they would have soaked up a lot of innings. This would have looked very, very different down the stretch pitching-wise. But it is so clear to me that the Mariners pitchers, top to bottom, are tired. They're tired. And sometimes that shows up in velocity and spin, and it's really easy to see that they're tired. And sometimes it shows up in location. But this is not the same Staff that we saw earlier this season. They're exhausted. And it's not a, necessarily a, you know, that Castillo and Kirby and Gilbert are throwing more innings than they ever have, as much as it is, there have been really kind of pressure innings and pressure pitches and, you know, high leverage situations and, I just think they would have been much, much more rested down the stretch, obviously with that sixth starter. And so to me, that has been the story uh, These this last, I don't know, six weeks or so, because you get the inconsistency from Brian Wu and Bryce Miller that you would expect from a tiring young starter. And it showed up big time against this Rangers lineup that hits a ton of home runs. This is a difficult lineup to face and top to bottom. And, Miller and Wu in big situations for the first time, they didn't have it. Mariners needed it from them, they didn't have it. And then the one game where they got decent pitching from Logan Gilbert, they faced Jordan Montgomery. So a little bit of tough luck and tough coincidence, but really, again, in my mind, this comes down to the pitching injuries. And it could be any of the three of Marco Gonzalez, Robbie Ray, and uh, Emerson Hancock, any one of those three would have been able to soak up some innings so that you had more effective innings from Kirby Miller Gilbert and Wu. I'm not putting Castillo in that boat because I think Luis Castillo has been very good um down the stretch I think you know obviously he's a more veteran pitcher. He's thrown these this type these types of innings uh more in his career, but they're tired and I don't know what this means for, you know, if they make the playoffs either, I think right now it's kind of patchwork and let's just get through it. And you're seeing the wear and tear on the bullpen too, because the starters aren't able to go deep into games because they're tired. I don't know how effective the Mariners would be in a playoff series against anyone in the American league West as of right now, because of the fatigue that I see and the inconsistency with the offense. So Again, this was difficult. This was a really rough three-game series. The Rangers are very, very good at home. Um, there's a lot of veteran pop in that lineup, and there's no easy outs. When Leody Tavares is hitting home runs against you, that's not a good sign, right? Uh, so hats off to the Rangers in this series. They take the three-game lead in the American League West. Uh, Mariners move on to to play Houston at home. Uh, Houston is also coming off of a three-game sweep um, at the hands of the Kansas City Royals, as I've said. Tonight's pitching matchup is Justin Verlander against Luis Castillo. Verlander, as you know, was acquired from the Mets for uh, the top two hitting prospects in the air, in the Houston organization, Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford. Uh, I think that was a heavy price to pay for Verlander on the part of the Astros. He is 11-8. and eight. This season, 344 ERA, 117 whip, 149 to third innings. Berliner's 40. And there are a lot of signs in his um in his metrics that say he's 40. Uh, last start, six innings, eight hits, three runs, one walk, five strikeouts. This was against Baltimore at home. But he has the highest walk rate. Uh, since 2017 for him the lowest k rate since 2015 for justin verlander the lowest swinging strike rate for verlander since 2014 his whiff rate is 22.6 percent which is in the 26th percentile of major league pitching so he's not the strikeout artist justin verlander that you know has created or helped him become a first ballot Hall of Famer. This is a forty-year-old getting by on guile and toughness and kind of big-game pitchability and other signs. His his batting average of balls in play is was two is two seventy-two, which is the same as it was in eighteen, but the highest it's been since fourteen. And while there's a lot of luck involved in batting average balls in play, there is some skill as well. Left on base percentage is the lowest it's been since 2015. Again, there's a lot of luck involved with left on base percentage, but a lot of it is, is your ability to strike hitters out with runners on. A lot of it is your ability to induce weak contact with runners on. And so a pitcher with a long history of high left on base percentage means that there's, they, they understand how to operate with runners on, and that number is the lowest it's been since 15. His zone contact rate, 83.2%, which is above league average. So pitches that are in the strike zone, you're talking about hitters' ability to make contact with it. 1.7% over last year, and 4.1% higher than it's been for his career. Chase contact hitters' ability to make contact with pitches outside of the zone when they chase, 5.9% above league average, and his first pitch strike rate is 3% lower than league average. So, throws fewer first pitch strikes than league average. Hitters make more contact when they chase against Verlander than league average, and they make more contact in on pitches in the zone. That's not what you think of when you think of Justin Verlander, but that's what the numbers say he is. Again, his ERA is 344, but his XERA 389, XFIP, so Fielding Independent Pitching 4.63, and his Sierra is 4.48. So really, his true ERA is probably somewhere in the low fours. His average fastball velocity is the lowest it's been since 2016 at 94.4 miles an hour, uh he's hit him a little better than lefties, 244 with a 429 slug. Lefties hit 222. His ERA in September, again, this is a sign of an aging, fatiguing pitcher. ERA in September, 5.19. And since the trade, he's 5-3 and three with a 393 ERA and a one whip. So he's lost a little bit of velocity over the previous season, uh, 0.7 miles an hour on the four-seamer. He's gained a little movement, but that's to be expected as the velocity goes down. His slider is still his best pitch. Um, it's a pitch he tries to get to specifically against right-handers with two strikes. But the fastball has lost juice, right? It's gone down in um 0.7 miles an hour over last year. He's surrendering a 247 average average on the four-seamer this season, 194 last season. Even the expected batting average is, is much higher this season. And the slug on the four seamer is four forty two last year was two eighty five so four seamer less effective he's more just about the you know the breaking stuff now and he but he throws the fastball fifty percent of the time and so when you've got a pitch that's not quite as effective that you have to throw half the time, you expect um poor results and that's where Verlander is at. That's not to say that Verlander can't come up clutch in a big game. That's who he's always been. That's not to say that the Mariners are going to light Justin Verlander up. It's just that he's not dominant in the way that he has been historically. That's not who he is anymore. So you've got an aging Verlander against Luis Castillo, who's in his prime, 14-7, 306 ERA, 105 whip, 188 in the third innings. Very good chance Castillo goes over 200 innings on the season. 77th percentile in baseball, both walk rate and K rate. Almost a 15% swinging strike rate, 31% whiff rate. Just tough to hit, right? Low zone contact, really difficult to hit in the zone. Low chase contact, really difficult to hit when you chase. Almost 3% higher than league average first pitch strikes. Lefties hit him slightly better than righties. His home ERA, where he, he will be pitching tonight, is 2.52 on the season. His last start in Oakland on the 19th, seven innings, five hits, two runs, three walks, eight strikeouts. So Luis Castillo has been pitching well. Luis Castillo, you can expect, is the, is the one Mariner starter who has been consistent throughout. Um, I think he's the one guy you can count on right now. I expect this to be a Mariner's W. Uh, Both teams have been very similar over the last seven days. Uh, The Mariners OPS 785, Houston's OPS 785, Mariners slug 442, Astros 458, right? So really, really similar. Mariners have hit, let's see, eight home runs. Astros have hit nine. Uh, And then pitching-wise, Again, really similar, kind of eerily similar in some ways. One two four whip for each team. Mariner's ERA is much lower, four, two, four versus five three, three. Astros have given up nine homers. Mariner's ten. So I think this is just a battle. This is a mental battle at this point in time, right? Both teams are exhausted. Both teams are limping to the finish. Both teams are coming off of um really difficult series, sweeps at the hands of you know, the Royals and the Rangers. Both teams are struggling to get into the playoffs. Both teams have pitchers who are imploding. Hunter Brown, in his last two starts, 14.04 ERA. Eight and a third innings, 13 runs, six home runs. Framber Valdez, five and a third innings in his last start, four hits, six runs, three walks, 10 strikeouts, 10.13 ERA. So. Struggling teams, tired teams, teams that lack some starting pitching depth at this point in time. Uh it, This is really just a, again, I think it's a mental battle. Who's mentally stronger? Which star, which hitting star is going to step up? It's, you know, kind of, you expect to see it from Julio. I expect to see it from Julio. JP Crawford just continues to be great 9.56 OPS in the last 7 days. Cal Raleigh 900 OPS the last 7 days. Jared Kelnick 1.062, right? So you've got some hitters that are hitting. Even Tail 872 OPS in the last 7 days. You've got hitters aren't, you know, they were horrible against Montgomery. But they weren't horrible throughout the series. You just need that pitching to match up again. So I'm not sure. I said before this 10-game stretch, I expected the Mariners to make the playoffs. I think it is literally a coin flip at this point in time. I expect this battle against Houston to be a dogfight. Two teams that are exhausted just trying to get there. I do like that Houston finishes up in Arizona. Less comfortable, not at home. Diamondbacks have some very good uh some very good players on their team. Obviously, Corbin Carroll is kind of the, the story, but you've got, you know, trying to look at their pitching matchups right now, you've got Zach Gallen on that team. Zach Gallen is a Cy Young candidate in the National League. It's JP France against Gallen on Friday. That is a good matchup in this in Seattle's favor on Saturday. Hunter Brown against Merrill Kelly. So two pitchers who have not pitched great for the Astros. Merrill Kelly has been uh, very, very underrated. And then Sunday's matchup for Houston, at least as of right now, is Verlander against Davies. So they have the advantage there. But, you know, if I was a betting man, I would say that I I would take the Mariners over the Astros as far as who's going to make the playoffs. But that's not – that edge is not huge. Um, This series against the Rangers really – says a lot again about their fatigue in my mind. It's not a talent thing. I think the Mariners are as talented as, as any of these teams are in contention with, but they're tired and the pitching injuries to Marco, to Robbie Ray, to Emerson Hancock are really showing up when you have Brian Wu and Bryce Miller imploding, I think because of fatigue. So difficult series for the Mariners, difficult to watch for Mariners fans. I get it. Uh, But this is the stretch run. They've got to find it within themselves to take two of three from Houston uh, to set themselves up for this final series against the Rangers. Thanks for listening to the Mariners cast. Once again, we are presented by Sports Ethos. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20. That's T-I-N-O-J-R-2-0. And the podcast at Ethos Mariners, E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. I will be back tomorrow morning with a recap of tonight's matchup with the Houston Astros. Take care, y'all. Go Mariners. Peace.